<laughs> we did not plan that. <laughs> that happened naturally. Yeah, because I feel like it, that would be a completely different case if you knew that beforehand we were like, okay, let's both make ghost noises on three. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> no, you need to know that that was complete spontaneity. Well, uh, welcome to A New Lens. A new <laughs> A podcast Gary and I started to talk about film and television that we liked as kids through the new lens of adults and amateur filmmakers. Uh, if you're a regular listener, you're probably like, what? Are they not going to talk about the other stuff that they've been watching recently? And uh, no, for movies, we're going to just dive right into it because there's a lot more to the talk about. The episodes always end up being a little long and yeah. we always have more that we wish we yeah. could have talked about. So we're just diving in. Diving right in to... 1998's TV movie, Halloween Town. Wow. I didn't look at the date, and that's surprising. Yeah. I thought it was like 2003 or something like that, because so, this is a staple of my childhood. Right. Like, and I was two in 1998, so that's interesting. Yeah, probably when we were watching it, it was the rerunning of this movie in preparation for the sequels of this movie. <laughs> Which is actually why I think most of the movie for me, that's like, oh my gosh, I remember that moment, mm-hmm. are little moments that they used on Disney Channel between... right. You know, like, yep. like the, I don't know. There's just like little quotes that happened throughout the movie that I was like, I really know that quote. Yeah. But the whole movie is less of that. I don't know. Let's be real, though. I've seen this movie so many times. Oh, yeah. Um, I definitely watched it on those rerun, rerun to the sequel. Right. Yes. You know. So Halloween Town mostly centers around Marnie and her little brother and sister, um, who come from a family where their mother, Gwen, does not really allow them to celebrate Halloween in any way. Um, That's all established in the first few minutes. Um, Then their grandmother comes to visit, though, uh, Aggie, and she clearly has an agenda to try and get the kids into Halloween, Um, and there's some mystery around, you know, what's going on there? And she arrives on this mystical bus and clearly she's from another place, which after alluding it to the kids, the kids follow her to and they climb on this magical bus and they arrive at Halloween Town. And um, there's some context given in about how uh, Marnie, it's her 13th birthday and she must go to Halloween Town in order to accept her powers as a witch, but her mother does not want to uh, allow her grandmother to take her there because she wants her to have a normal life. But they arrive at Halloween Town, and they start seeing all the magical wonders, but they also um, learn from their grandmother and from other clues around town that there is sort of a dark force uh, taking people and making them disappear, turning them dark, and doing something sinister going on in town. Um, They investigate this more. They interact with uh, a boy in town named Luke, who turns out to be kind of working with this sinister presence, uh, who we learn is Calabar, um, who uh, is revealed in the end to be the mayor of the town that they meet when they first get to town. Um, who wants to sort of reclaim Halloween Town and regular existence because they've been sort of secluded to this plane of Halloween Town for uh, for a long time now. And uh, with their mutual 
respect and love for each other and the Cromwell magical powers, they overcome and um, take down Calabar and restore Halloween Town to a happy, joyful holiday place. The thing that struck me watching it again is that this is a movie for much younger kids than I remembered it being. You know what I mean? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's not... It's for little kids. Yep. It's a Disney Channel TV movie for little kids. And the pre-production really reflects that, actually. I was looking at the producers for this movie, and they are all TV movie producers. I couldn't tell, you know, exactly... If, you know, how many were like Disney Channel specific or anything like that. But there were four producers, two executive producers and two sort of like production manager type people. And they all are just like TV movie, TV movie. Yeah, that's what they do. They make TV movies that that are accessible to TV right. audiences. And it's, <laughs> it's a little wild. Honestly, like I was looking at one of them and... They make just any sort of TV. There was one called like Nude Girls, like Four Nude Girls or something. And it's literally a rated R movie <laughs> written and directed by a woman. But I got into a little bit of a rabbit hole. But like that woman has only made like three movies. And it's clear w- why, because it wasn't very highly rated. Just like a risque TV movie. Like, I don't know. Anyway. <laughs> so these aren't like, That's you interesting. know, the most esteemed producers of all time or like yeah and and the movie feels as nostalgic as it is because that's the oh, main yeah. feeling i had watching it right it feels like a 90s <laughs> and that does. product is the 90s but it doesn't feel like it's trying to sell anything specific i'm not saying that it's like promoting disney or promoting it's just trying to be a movie that right every little it's a kid movie that can you want love yeah, to show to every little kid. Like, that's the main directive you can tell from the production of the movie. And Wish it's, fulfillment it's, uh, at its highest. Oh, yeah. Right, yeah. For Halloween, absolutely. For Halloween. It's, what's cool, it's, it's a Halloween wish fulfillment. Like, Harry Potter is, like, a different kind of thing, different maturity level. You know, this is, like, the most bare bones of that, pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> um we'll get into benny (laughs) eventually (laughs) um yeah the so i don't know the direction of this is interesting it feels very cheesy very sort of canned but that's sort of what yeah there's some campiness to it and some authenticity in some line delivery that makes up for it it's kind of like i didn't want to compare it to this because this is like the masterpiece version of that Mm -hmm. but it's kind of like spider-man where yeah. you're watching it and you're like, okay, whatever. But right. when you're watching Spider-Man, it's just so well done and the direction is so uh, specific yeah. that the camp feels very, very purposeful and utilized to adapt a comic book. Where this, right. while I was watching it, I kept thinking, this feels like it would have been a really, really good animated movie and they did a yeah. good job adapting it into something live action. Like, right. For a little kid watching this, I wouldn't be disappointed in it if sure, it had yeah. also, also been an animated movie. You know what I mean by that? Right. And it feels fun. It doesn't like take itself seriously at all. So when there are like, you know, sort of obvious computer generated things done, stuff like that, it doesn't feel like okay oh this you know it's just like out. yeah she's floating yeah. down on, an, on a on an umbrella like yeah, yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so the director, his name is Duane Dunham. Uh, D-U-W-A-Y-N-E. Duane. Um, Duane. I just like that. And it's interesting. Most of his career, he's mostly an editor. That's what he's mostly credited for. Most of his credits on IMDb. He is mostly a Twin Peaks guy. He did a bunch oh. of uh, episodes for the first, like... Have you watched First Twin series Peaks? of I've watched zero amount of Twin Peaks. <laughs> Dude, me too. That should be maybe a thing we both watch and can talk about in future intros because apparently yeah. it's it's one of those. That's what I've heard, but and I know I'm a part of many communities uh, of this type yeah. of thing, but it's like the people who love it love it so intensely that I'm just kind of like I I don't know. I don't know if you have to get involved, man. That's how I am with Rick and Morty, even though I really like Rick and Morty again. (laughs) I had a point was like, I'm just scared of the fan base. So I think I don't like this show. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But uh, Dwayne Dunham, one of his biggest things, he was one of the main editors on Return of the Jedi. He was on the editing team. He was like an editorial assistant on Empire Strikes Back, and he was one of the main editors for Return of the Jedi. So this guy comes from like an editing background and an editing and perspective. That which is, is a very prominent thing in this movie, I would yeah, say. It's absolutely. edited down to the absolute essential kids movie it is. But the thing is, he is not the editor on this. Interesting. The editor's name is Martin Nicholson, and he has not done... He has a lot of credits... But it's like one episode of this show. One episode of this show. The The biggest credit on his uh, resume is three episodes of Game of Thrones. But oh, I don't know. Something, it's, it's something, you know? absolutely. Like, he's clearly had a career. But it seems like he doesn't stick around anywhere too long. Which I feel like makes a little sense to me with this movie. Like, I feel like it's it's not badly edited. I feel like it's well edited. No. But it feels like it's, but like it saying it's like directed, it's by, directed an editor by an editor is interesting yeah. to me, you know? Kind of like it, it feels like, okay, we need to get this thing down to the bare bones. Yeah. But then the actual editor didn't quite know how to do that spectacularly. Right. But then when he showed the final product to the director, he was like, yeah, you did it. You got it down to the, to the nothing. It, <laughs> it's good. It's a product. Yeah. And then all these producers were like, what? It's perfect. Every kid will love this. Right. You know? Yeah. That was like the process of how this film seems to have been made. No, and then totally. they just struck. Honestly, I think they just struck gold with who they had in the casting. Yes. That was like absolutely. the thing that made the jump from being like easily forgettable but still passable right bare bones children's movie to well, like this is a pretty good movie yeah. there's some stuff in this that i like well it's you know? interesting too like even the writing department uh yeah. is interesting to me uh sorry I'll, I'll stop spouting off a bunch of names uh and we can get no, into it good. a little more detail i think it's important i think this provides a lot of good context though um the the writing team consists of three people the like teleplay was written by a man named Paul Birnbaum. And, like, he came up with the story, it looks like, and he helped write the script, and he created these characters. It was his idea. But he was not on any of the following movies. And the following movies, which were, I think, even more successful than this one, were written by the other two people on this team, named uh, John Cooksey and Allie Marie Matheson. So... 
I didn't see a whole lot of stuff of uh, other stuff of note. Um, it looks like they've both had, you know, pretty good careers, but I just find it interesting that like this was created by him and helped written, helped to be written by these other two who went on to like do even more successful things with it. So it sort of feels like there's a lot of people serving their purpose in roles that they have some experience in and then getting lucky with other people being good sort of, but it it feels like everything's just a little bit to the left. You know what I mean? Everybody's a little bit left of where they should be. And I feel like it shows in the movie. I a hundred percent agree, especially which is like maybe not a productive topic of conversation. So I'll breeze by it, but remembering in my back of my brain, I think I like the sequels more too. Yeah. I don't remember for sure, but thinking I, I was on Disney Plus and I saw mm-hmm. Halloween Town 2, Calabar's Revenge. Right. And I was like, oh, I think that's actually the one that I yeah. fucking grew up with. I right. think that's actually the one. No, totally. And then I'm imagining scenes from Halloween Town 2. Mm-hmm. And it is a lot in my head, at least. It I remember it being a lot less, yeah, just fucking do that. And a lot more like, okay, well, what would be cool? You know right, what I mean by right. that? Yeah. Like this has a lot of stuff that's like cool, mm-hmm. but it feels like just uh, maybe she floats down on the umbrella or maybe uh, <laughs> right. let's, we need a broom scene. So let's, we need them to, we don't have the money. For, no, just, we need them on a broom. We need yeah, to, you know, totally. or like, yeah, there are a lot of creative ideas that feel like they just did them instead right. of like creating a universe that's fully fleshed out. But that also wasn't the purpose of this film. This film yeah. was just to introduce it to us. Yeah. Honestly, absolutely. like when they're reading the storybook in the beginning of the movie, mm-hmm. it's kind of foreshadowing like what the movie is. It's right. just like a storybook, basically. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, totally. And it very much feels like that. So I do think they got that very, very right, very on the nose. I mean, it worked enough to make us be like, that's totally in my nostalgia brain. Right. You know? Totally. And it also serves a good purpose of like introducing little kids to uh you know a spooky movie because yeah, there is some it, stuff in here that's a little bit scary but it's they execute it in a way that isn't too harsh you know it, yes. it feels you organic feel like in the I, movie if i remember giving. as a little kid i felt brave watching some scenes in this movie yeah, you know what i mean by yeah, that i totally. was like i am watching a scary thing right now <laughs> yeah no that's that's actually for some reason really resonating with me yeah um yeah, I th- this goes a little bit into production which we want to save, you know, more specific aspects for later, but Benny the skeleton <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> like uh when he's first introduced, I remember not being afraid of him and being like, "Oh, fun skeleton man." And then being really afraid in that moment when he like he's like grabbing onto the kid and not letting go yeah um but i was (laughs) i was a little bit creeped i feel like i was more generally creeped out by him revisiting as an adult but like the whole time right but like the whole time (laughs) yeah and not so much as scared in that one moment as i was before but just more generally creeped out yeah Yes. While I was watching it, Herman was in the room too, my mm-hmm. roommate for those who listen. Mm-hmm. And uh, he goes, oh my God, why did they make his bones have muscles? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it just, 
that's it. I think that's it. If it was just like a skeleton yep. that was like, ha, 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 and it's like its jaw moved. Right. I don't know. Maybe that would be scary too because it's, I don't know, but there's just something unsettling about the way his face moves when he talks. And that's, yeah. but it also might be like the best looking effect in the movie. <laughs> that's true. You know honestly. what I mean? Like it yeah. looks pretty cool. Like, it does for what look it is. pretty good. Although I love that. <laughs> um, I forget his name. The 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 brother is like <laughs> he looks like you know he could be like an animatronic like from Disney World. <laughs> it's like, firstly, yeah. a quick plug there, nice writing, and secondly, like it is. <laughs> it's literally <laughs> that. Like I don't know. That's it just exactly. struck me as funny at the moment. <laughs> I agree. No, yeah, that was good. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff like that in the movie where. You have to be a little kid for it to work totally. Like him right. being like, I thought monsters weren't real just as a guy with a really fake looking mask walks by. <laughs> yeah. It's like, <laughs> you should have chosen that guy yeah. over there to right. walk by because he looks scary. But this yeah. guy is like wearing a mask. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. But either way, should we get into acting? I think we talked about, you know, directing and the editing a little bit and directing writing a bit i think will come up more as we start talking about these characters the and who portray movie, them. yeah um so i think it's okay for me to say this is this weird for me to say marnie was my first crush as a little kid oh no i totally get it totally you get, get me it. yeah and re-watching this was just so like nostalgic in a way that most things aren't because i was like mm -hmm. man i remember being a little kid and having my first first crush on tv yeah i thought about that while i was watching this right. i was like now all these kids are like little kids i was a little kid <laughs> yeah. i don't know it created this feeling of like whoa in me you know what i mean i totally like, get that. not whoa like w-o-e whoa like w-o-a-h <laughs> i just got so fucking sad thinking about it <laughs> um no, but yeah, Marty uh, is super charming and honestly, really, really well portrayed by uh, Kimberly J. Brown. Just a which really we gotta good thirteen-year-old actor. A second, I don't know if you realize this because we we might be we might talk about future Halloween Town movies in the future of this podcast. Yeah. We might not. I don't know. Who knows? But we should talk about this right now. Hmm. Did you know? You do know. I'm sure. They made four Halloween Town movies. Yeah. The the third being Halloween Town High. We already talked about Calabar's Revenge. Uh -huh. The fourth being Return to Halloween Town. Yeah. And they recast Marnie for the fourth one. For real? And no one else. And no one else? They recast her with that girl. Uh, she was on. I think she was in Aquamarine or something. Like she was, you know okay. how like Disney has like. Oh, this is the new star. Right. They basically had one they and were like, she should that? play Marnie now. They just did that. And when you go on uh, Kimberly, what's her last name? Kimberly J. Brown. Kimberly J. Brown. I follow her on Twitter now. And I want to say this in a way that doesn't make her look weird because it's, it's not, I looked for this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. In hunting, like by, because I'm curious, uh, I searched Twitter for like Kimberly J. Brown recast. And mm -hmm. she has tweeted at people who have been like, hey, WTF, why weren't you in the fourth movie? I'm rewatching these. Yeah. And I always thought it was you. But now that I'm an adult, I'm, it's like so obvious it's not. And she's like, yeah, I don't even know. They just wow. never called me back. And one day I was watching TV and Return to Halloween Town came on. <laughs> and that's basically how I found out. Oh, my God. And she still looks like Marnie. Like right now, <laughs> as an adult, yeah. she just... 
looks the same. So it's not like, and I, I'm not saying that that should be an influence on keeping a cast member uh, the same looks. Shouldn't I? Don't sure. think. But in this case, I can't even see the the mindset. Like Especially the there wasn't like a, oh she changed members. so much that. We had to find someone that looked more like she literally looks the same. She's still in acting like she does stuff every now and then. And she's cool. Like she seems what just like hell? a really cool person. Yeah, it, it pisses me off. What the hell? <laughs> I know. I, I almost don't want to. I still act, actually haven't watched the fourth one because of that. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. Fuck yeah. It. Since I maybe I watched it when I was a kid when it came out. I don't know. I Either way, that just bugs me, especially watching this again and realizing like how young she was. And like in the beginning of the movie, when she realizes that grandma's leaving and she's sitting there in bed reading the Halloween Town book and Mm -hmm. she's about to cry, I almost cried. I was watching it just now and I was like, oh my gosh, like she looks like she's about to start crying about this. And it's good. And Dylan, even as her brother, is not. He plays a role that's really hard to play, I think, being the... Yes. Um, I'm going to check and make sure that the AC is set to 68. It's like the writing right. really fucks with you when yeah. you play that character. Yeah. But he did it. He He's pulls just it off. charming, yeah. you know? Like, you don't get annoyed by him, but you don't, like... You do get him. a little annoyed by him, just but you're enough, not like like in a sister way, like you're Marnie, right. you know? Yeah, totally. That's that's a really good point. And then Sophie is excellent yeah like she doesn't do much at all but her face it's her face honestly when she like looks up you're like wow you are an actress Mm -hmm. i don't know like Mm -hmm. most little kids look at other people and look at the camera with like this obliviousness and you're just like yeah that's a little kid who doesn't know what's going on but (laughs) i mean they're portraying the role she seems like she knew what was going on the whole time she respond to things like you would respond to things even if those things were silly and cheesy and I think that's really what grounds you as a little kid. She's the little kid and right. experiencing all this. And also, like, they end up having sort of communal powers, but she's the one that, like, does real magic <laughs> and doesn't even yeah, notice it. the whole it. time, too. So I think from a writing perspective, like, that's actually a really smart move to have the little kid at a movie aimed for, like, little, little kids be the one Absolutely. who has the magic. Because as a little kid, I like I said, had a crush on Marnie. But right. I also was like, she's like the the cool older one. Right. And the but way she like sticks up for herself she's not, to the mom. Yes. Yeah. Yes. It like makes you feel like young watching someone older. Like when I was right. a little kid and I watched The Sandlot, I was, I was always like, when I grow up, I'm going to be like that. Yeah. Even though like yeah, they're right. 12. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. So no, having totally. Sophie in there to be you, basically, mm-hmm. it's so great that she's also the one with the floating cookie or turning the lock right. into a frog. Totally. It, it makes you feel like, yes, Marnie is the, like, ooh, I look up to her, yeah. but I've got the powers. I'm, I'm the one I, with this. I can, yeah. I can do magic. I can do magic. Exactly. <laughs> magic. Um, yeah, I think I think actually the performances are kind of mostly what carries this movie you know kimberly j performances and not holding back from just an idea just every time someone had an idea they were like yeah let's just do it some of it is like and some of it is really funny i mean yeah if you think about it it's a really hard concept honestly halloween town like 
it's a town dedicated to Halloween, you know? I feel like Nightmare Before Christmas is, like, sort of the extent you can go with that. Like, Yeah. Um, wow, yeah. But this is a live-action kids movie, and... And the feeling that it's trying to emulate isn't right. that spooky Halloween. Yes, it's it's emu- It's trying to emulate the excitement that kids have on the uh, Halloween is here. Like during the day on Halloween is this movie. You right. know what I mean by that? Yes, it's, totally. It's that totally. feeling of like I can't wait to get dressed up tonight. I can't wait to put on makeup. I can't wait to go get candy. It's the That's movie the that feeling. you play for your kids the morning of Halloween. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, Debbie Reynolds was a very smart cast, uh, in, uh, the part of Aggie Cromwell, this grandma, you know, she was in Singing in the Rain. She's Carrie Fisher's mother. She, uh, she's had a very, very successful career. Um, and she's just so charming as this character. Not in a way that she's charming, but not serious. You know, she's not the only serious actor. Yeah. She takes this role as seriously as it needs to be taken, which is what makes it so good. Mm-hmm. She's like Aunt May in Spider-Man, you yeah, know, just like totally. being the perfect grandma character. Totally. And uh, when she leaves in the beginning, the first five minutes or ten minutes of the movie, and mom's like, grandma's got to go. You are like, no, grandma. Oh, grandma. You know, I feel that. <laughs> yeah. And now that we're talking about the mom, what's that actress's name? You, you've got all the names down. Uh, She's the, great, too. The mom is Judith Hoag. Hoag? Judith Hoag. H O A G. Um, I never know how to pronounce that, and I see that name a lot. Yeah, you know what I mean. Interesting. That's a common Four last like name. It. Yeah. Uh, but uh, uh, the the main thing I knew her from on her resume is she was April in the 1990 Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle uh, live action movie. <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Yeah. So that might be one, dude. <laughs> that might be one for this show. That with, uh, That's on we'll HBO see. Max too. So yeah. Uh, but wow. I didn't even realize that. To me, she is just such a distinct mom. Yeah, I agree. And I, my mom kind of looks like her, so maybe that's part <laughs> she, of it. She you know? does. Like, I, I, I have yeah. a, ginger a mom. thin redhead mom. Yeah, yeah ginger mom. <laughs> yeah. That's the best way. Uh, but there's something about her performance that works just so yeah. well for me. Oh, absolutely. Being like this stern mother figure but the movie is short and she needs to be redeemed and right. it works by the end. You don't feel like it was forced or like, yeah, eh, fuck you. You were mean in the beginning. You really feel like she's just being a good right. mom the whole time with the best intentions for her kids. Absolutely. I mean, it does feel a little like as an adult watching it. Of as an course, adult. You know, I'm like. And that's why what she, this is. It why, is a like, new lens. If, if she was a wizard, <laughs> why is she keeping her kids from being able to do magic and then like not even letting them acknowledge Halloween at all? And then at the end of the movie, after I mean, like she, I guess Marnie leads the kids in saving them, but she's basically just like, "I was wrong. Now you can do whatever you want, whatever you want." I mean, like it's a perfect yeah, storyline feels... for it. It doesn't feel like completely ridiculous like it makes no sense at all it is just kind of like what okay but like a kid is never gonna feel that way i didn't yeah as a kid i was like oh it makes sense that she wouldn't tell her because this is a thing that happens in movies (laughs) you know what i mean yeah but in reality like why wouldn't you why wouldn't wouldn't... you be using magic (laughs) like i can do it (laughs) she's right like when when grandma says like why would you even waste your time with tupperware right i'm like yeah honestly 
Okay, but then Why would you? her solution is to like bring back the chicken, which is funny and goofy and like entertaining for a kid, but to me was a little bit like, but now that chicken's alive again, and now you get now if you want to eat it, <laughs> like and then they do they go gotta, she makes like a sound and then it turns back into and that's fried actually chicken. Uh, I'll touch on this again when we get back to like sort of more specific CGI moments, but that's actually one that I felt worked actually really well. Me too. When the chicken. It was a good. It was a. I'm pretty sure it's just a cut, and, and it was yeah. a well done cut. Yeah. But yeah, no, there are a few. This movie does magic in the most. Just don't think about it. Way possible. <laughs> right. Yeah. No. Totally. You know. Totally. And that's a big moment of that. Mm-hmm. Also, like Benny, just being Benny. Right. I don't know. Like, okay, so is he a skeleton from the mortal world that now lives in Halloween Town because he makes a references to cemeteries and now I'm overthinking it right. and giving myself anxiety. <laughs> right. You know, it's just like not okay. You don't need but, to know. Yeah. But it yeah, that's what it is. And I feel like maybe that's something that could be done better. And maybe that's what makes the second and third when we revisit them. Mm-hmm. What will make them a little more solid is that feeling is a little missing. Like the feeling of just don't think about it is something you kind of have to remind yourself as an adult. Right. As a kid, that is how you live your life. You don't think about it. So movies like this work great. Yeah. But yeah, like as an adult, you kind of got to remind yourself. And maybe that's something they could tighten up in future installments, which I'm curious to see if they did. You know. Yeah. Like, for instance, another thing that just popped in my head. What's that? The travel between worlds is, like, a big deal very clearly. But then it's not at all when they actually need to travel between worlds. Like, her mom just shows up. So, was it, like, two weeks to her before she... You know what I mean by that? Because, like, in Halloween Town, an hour passes. Like, that could be days in the mortal world or whatever. Or the other way around, like... An hour yeah. in the mortal world is like weeks here. So did mom like realize they were missing within minutes and then right. somehow find a bus to Halloween Town? Because I thought there yeah. was only the one and once it's gone, it doesn't come back for a long time. I didn't quite but, understand Yeah, how time Because her showing and... up on the same day means that it had to have been like minutes. Or... Right. But also when they but get there, like the, someone references that Aggie... Uh, has lived in her house for like 200 years or something is, is yeah that, she are is she like 200 years old <laughs> or is she a normal person and time just passes differently i'm so confused exactly yes and then she even says time is different on halloween town two days here or two days there could be two weeks here or no two hours there could be two days here or even two weeks if you're on vacation Right. So it really is just like, <laughs> don't think about it. Don't it's magic. Don't think about it. <laughs> it's magic. You know? <laughs> yeah. Which is great in a lot of moments, too, with like her having like bubble, bubble, toil, trouble on her <laughs> microwave. Okay. I loved that. I, that that's Me a writing too. moment that uh, I, I really appreciated, actually. And I think there were a few of those that made the movie elevated yeah. to a point of me really enjoying it as an adult. There's too, a couple other know? little things, like things in the background, like someone in the in the hair salon is reading a magazine that says Vampire Fair instead of Vanity Fair. <laughs> there's when they go to like the sauna, it says there's no death guard on duty instead of a lifeguard. It's just little things like that, or yeah, or, yeah, or the car salesman, the broom salesman being like a car salesman, right? Like, yeah, 
Yeah, as far as performances, though, I don't know exactly what else to talk about. There's, you know... Calabar. Calabar, who is played by uh, Robin Thomas. He does fine. Well, it's fine. I remember For the moments that he's a good guy, it really works. Oh, But then when you realize he was the bad guy the whole time, it doesn't really work for me. Yeah. I remember thinking as a kid, like, being super surprised about the reveal... And watching it now, I don't know if I remembered that he was him or not, but I was just like, oh, that's the bad guy. Like, immediately. Especially because they go, well, what's the dark thing? And then he just walks up and he's like, hello, nice to meet you. You know, it's very much (laughs) one of those like filmmaking moments, which I think is important to put in in kids' movies, especially uh, using film language like that is really important, I think. Um, but yeah, no, like, I guess what I'm saying is the writing of his character, he's the bad guy. Come on. Right. But his acting, he just does such a good job at being the trusty. I don't know. And like when, when the mom shows up and he's flirting with her, Mm -hmm. it truly, truly feels yeah. He's like, hey, do you want to like maybe go and get the? Yeah. He like <laughs> right. mumbles something, and you're like, oh shit, what did he just say? Like, I think I heard the word hot tub. Like, so I don't know. It doesn't feel like him being like actually an evil guy. Right. He's gonna, but you know, it feels genuinely like someone who's seeing someone that he hasn't since like just after high school or that age, and used to be have a little romance with, and is trying to figure out if that's still going on. You know, and um, that doesn't seem like something Calabar right, would do. You right. know, yeah. But he has a reason for it in the end when he says, "Like you could have been my queen, we could have been the most powerful, or whatever." Right? Yeah. You know, there would have like, taken some convincing once you found out he was like, you know, like this evil. I dude. don't know. Come on, dude. That's one of the things that this movie does a little uh, choppy is. The good and evil thing. I think that's hard for kids. Yeah. So just making a character just evil. evil. Yeah. And him saying, like, the power of evil is stronger than the power of good. Don't you see? Like, that's more like, that's more where that this is for little kids thing comes in. Yeah. Like, a 15-year-old watching that movie would be like, wait, so what was his motive? Right. You know what I mean? His motive is evil. (laughs) That's it. He wants to go back to the mortal world and be evil there. Because... I it's explained is... pretty early on that Halloween Town is like a safe haven. It's not, they're not exiled to it. It just didn't work out living right. in the mortal world. So they've created their own world. I don't think the movie tries at all to like draw parallels with, you know, any kind of like social class or whatever. Yeah. Where it really, really, really easily could have. And I'm so glad it didn't. Yeah. You know no, what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, you draw parallels watching it on your own, which sure. is important. And I think that's about being a human being and living in the world and drawing parallels because there are parallels everywhere. But the movie right. itself isn't like, yeah, that race is like a lower class or whatever. Right. There's a couple moments of like thinking someone is ugly on the outside doesn't mean they're ugly on the inside. Right. Yes. That You know? there's notions like that that are that are good to give to a kid i think generally most of the themes and stuff that they wrap around to are are good but they do not feel built into the movie at all they kind of feel like randomly at the end the dude reveals himself and he has this big bad plan because he's evil and there's good and evil and evil thinks they're they're right but they're wrong 
And then there's like, you know, this guy who changed his appearance to look like a handsome dude and then honestly be like kind of a dick to her and expect her to like like There wasn't a moment. Yeah, like he his his redeeming moment wasn't actually a redeeming moment. He just realized like, oh shit, I don't want her to die because she's hot. Right. Right. And also really... you're in a world where like we're looking around and there's like Frankenstein and goblins and like you know, so what is handsome in that exactly. world? Being immortal? That seems right. backwards. Yeah. But then again, that could be like Calabar doing some kind of, I suppose, you know, yeah. manipulative manipulative spell. Like, look at the mortal world. Look at how beautiful they are. Look That's how ugly true. you are. But even still, like that would be like me being like, look at you know, look at the animal world. Look at how beautiful like elephants are. Aren't aren't you jealous and wish I could make you look like, you know, a different animal or something? It's right. like to him, wouldn't he be like, fuck no, I look great <laughs> as a troll. Yeah. You know? Right. I love having these facial features. Fuck you. Yeah. I don't know. So yeah, that's a little rocky. All of that's a little rocky, but it's it's definitely part of the eh, this is for eight year olds, you know? <laughs> right. Yeah. No. And then totally. I don't know if you remember, but in the future of the series, they drastically change his facial prosthetics mm. to make him look a lot more like he could be a cute guy under there oh, which Luke? i don't really like oh interesting <laughs> yeah i don't remember that so we'll we'll maybe visit that again if we visit the next movies yeah. but i do remember seeing him in this and being like oh wait i thought he looked and then when i like looked it up on my phone like luke troll halloween town mm-hmm. it's a thing like people are like yeah they literally changed Hmm. a lot about how he looks as a troll so that he can still be like kind of handsome in the second movie because he's like almost a love interest at that point because now he really is just like he's a guy he was a dick yeah and he's like hit me up if you're ever back and she says sure and that's it right but if if you're gonna bring him back you gotta make him handsome it i don't know Um, that (laughs) there's a little thing I love uh, this like sort of zombie guy who's dressed in like super slick uh, suit, like striped suit. Who's trying to sell them the the uh, <laughs> yeah. the broomsticks? I love Luke just kind of randomly barges into that scene. Like it doesn't even feel like he arrives like in the environment in the movie. He just kind of barges he into the scene <laughs> and then, like tries to flirt with her by like saying, "Oh, you're getting little Marley." Uh, well, firstly, my name's Marnie. Secondly, fuck you. Like, what are you doing here? You want to go get some ice cream? It's like, no. And then he runs away, not before saying he's friends with some very powerful creatures around here, which is like, you're giving yourself the hell away, dude. Um, then this zombie guy goes, man, that Luke dude, he's been such a wiener lately. <laughs> And then later, <laughs> Sophie sees him out the window and goes, hey, it's the wiener man. <laughs> like, oh, my God. It's the wiener guy or like some. Uh, he, she says wiener or something. It's, which that's is, hilarious. It's really funny, actually. And that's that is for us. You know what I mean? Right. Little yes. things like that are a little too clever for me to assume that right. when they were writing that at the writing table, they weren't laughing with each other, you know, because yeah, that's totally. funny. Man, he's turned into a wiener lately. <laughs> uh, getting into like the costumes and stuff, they're very involved. They don't necessarily all look fantastic. Like it, they're but a lot of them. Their faces what don't the move or anything. And like the amount of time they had to make this movie, and the fact that it's all in like 
flat, bright light. Right. Yes. You know, like that is bold. Mm-hmm. It took some chutzpah to decide to dress everyone up in a full camp yeah. costume. Like, there's nobody... There are some witches and some, like... There's a couple fairies who are very clearly just, like, wearing... Like, actually, I have one right here because Abby's going to be an angel for Halloween. Oh, yeah. Just oh, nice. <laughs> fake <laughs> wings fake wrapped wings. around their arms, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, the wings don't move and, like, one of them right. is crooked. But, like, it looks get it. like... I think what they tried to do is they went, all right, we don't want it to look like a town full of monsters. Right. We want it to look like Halloween night. But on a, in town, like right, we want everyone to look like they're wearing a costume. Yeah, you know what I mean by no, that. Totally. It, it, then a kid watching it is like, yeah, that's what I want to experience on Halloween is being in this town. And like, when you walk up to someone, it's not like this terrifying creature. It's just like a guy whose face doesn't move, and he's like, you know, right. it's like he's wearing a mask. It's comforting you know when they sneak onto the bus that takes them to halloween town when they follow their grandma onto the bus um which also it's another writing thing that's just like don't think about it they just sneak onto the back of the bus what and sophie when did she sneak on how did she sneak on where was she the whole bus ride like just sitting no it doesn't presenting the like movie language of Someone followed you and you didn't know, and here she is with you, and now you have that yep. problem, you know. But when they yep. first get on the bus, they see like Frankenstein and like a goblin and you know a bunch of other like witches who just look like humans wearing witch witch hats. But uh, yeah, I guess with that's like also good laugh, they're the... laughing really right. hard like a witch would, I guess. But uh, Dylan, the brother, even says like they must just be coming from a Halloween party. Like they look. Like, they could just be in costumes. Like, that's feasible, and, you know. And the costumes are all funny or dopey, not scary. Yeah. Like, Frankenstein right. is very funny in this scene. He's like, yo, I was trying to spook a little kid. And he's, you know, he's <laughs> right. saying something, and it's like, yeah. you get why this wouldn't work. You know, right. like, you couldn't scare a kid these days because you're dopey looking. You look right. like funny instead of like what we imagine frankenstein to be right which i think is another point of this movie for all the people frankenstein's monster it's frankenstein's monster actually calm down anyway sorry (laughs) (laughs) fucking (laughs) uh but yeah like it's part of the point of the movie is that like these images that they all have of vampires and ghosts and werewolves and stuff were created because in the time that mortals and monsters lived together Aggie even says, like, mortals hated us so much that we we tried to scare them. We, like, made... We were bad to them mm-hmm. because they were bad to us. And we realized, like, this isn't going to work. Let's just split up. So, like, the mortal world's idea of what a werewolf is, what Frankenstein's monster would be, what a ghost is, is all based on those past creatures trying to scare them. Right. But... Yeah. They're not actually scary is the point, you know? And I right. think that's kind of cool too cuz like a little yeah. kid watching this movie might end this movie and literally just not be scared of so much stuff they might have been scared of before. Yeah. Thinking of it in the context of like it's just another town of right. people who, you know. And what one of the notions that's like mixed in here in this like giant 
melting pot, this giant witch's brew <laughs> oh, uh, of themes that of which there is not really one specific one that reigns supreme. Um, oh, yeah, no. <laughs> there's like, uh, there's this notion of, you know, being normal is vastly overrated. The grandma says that a couple times and like, you know, it's much more interesting to be different. And that's just sort of giving validity to the idea for kids that if someone's different from you, that doesn't make them bad. That doesn't make them wrong. If you feel different from other kids, that doesn't make you bad or wrong. Like, what, and I felt as a kid who was normal. like obsessed with Halloween mm-hmm. that that was weird, you know, like, mm. oh, it's like weird to be into this stuff like Marnie mm. is. And even though she's actually a witch, <laughs> right. still you you feel like you relate in the way that it's not weird to be obsessed with this stuff, too. Yeah, you know, right. like I loved collecting like, you know, those scary stories to tell in the dark books. And like I loved watching Goosebumps and. I waited every year on Halloween. I would go all out. And I think Halloween Town validated that for me. You know, made me feel like that's totally cool because, I mean, (laughs) she's a witch. So obviously, (laughs) I'm not there. So just a quick note, though, when Aggie gives the kids their costumes, did Marnie say her her costume is she's a Wiccan? That's just like. A, relig- a real religious practice, isn't it? Like, what? I think so, actually. I uh, think that is a religious, the religious practice of witchcraft, not yeah. the mythological version of it that right. this movie presents. Yeah. So, like, I don't know. That feels, someone going for Halloween as a Wiccan feels the same as, like, someone wearing a sombrero and calling it a costume. Like, that feels pretty problematic to me. Just wanted to, uh, address that it's really as far as like dated you know social dynamics and stuff it's one of the only things i noticed in this i mean other than the yeah, fact no, that there's i didn't even notice almost that, but that's... no people of color in this movie <laughs> um yeah. there's that and then there's the you know the costume thing but as far as talking about looking at this movie from a social lens i think that was one of my favorite things about it was that this movie is like about a bunch of badass women yeah, and no, the totally. o- the shittiest people in the movie are all dudes i don't <laughs> yeah. know even the it's brother is the, the only yeah, male in the like, family is like skeptic kind you know? of annoying <laughs> yeah even in the very very end he has seen magic he has seen monsters <laughs> he has watched his grandma and mom turn to stone and then come mm-hmm. back he created magic at his fingertips. As they're leaving, he's like, I got to figure out how that bag works. Like, dude, it's magic. <laughs> right? It's magic, dude. <laughs> it's fucking magic. That's how it works. Yeah. He's not the, like, he's not some stereotypical, like, brave, uh, you know, picture of masculinity. This And he is never becomes one either. That embraces and shows women in roles of leadership, which is cool. And, and surprising being that it was directed by someone named Duane. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's Although that true. shouldn't saying that felt kind of not okay. So I feel well, I'm sorry, right. Duane, but you're a guy. So that's what I meant by that. Yeah. Yeah. Also, your name's a little um, funny. It's just a little funny. Um, hey, my name's Gary. So it's okay. <laughs> that's you know? true. Um, <laughs> I think the second movie i'm really i think we really should visit yeah. it maybe next I think year or next halloween because it's we'll directed by a woman yeah yep which a movie about a bunch of badass women doing magic mm-hmm. i don't know i'm kind of 
kind of yeah. would like to see what difference that makes. See that you know? not written and directed by men. Yeah. No, absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. Um, okay, so the effects here in this movie... We talked about some of the practical effects. You know, some of them look pretty good. All of the practical good. effects the practical are really fun. Yeah. The bag They feel like something I would do. Yeah, Or totally. like pulling the broom out of the bag. Like right. they probably just cut a hole into the ground. Yeah. Or, you know, like the the chicken churning into... That's mostly uh, editing. It's not fried like computer chicken. generated. It's... Nope. Edit, effects in editing mm-hmm. are... There's a great video, actually, which maybe we should link, by Pony Smasher, okay. who is actually David Sandberg, the director of shazam oh yeah yeah uh, yeah. annabelle creation he does a ton of awesome youtube videos that are basically just like hey i'm a director in hollywood but i used to be a guy like you who directed youtube videos and these are the tricks i use and one of his videos is called i believe it's called effects in editing or editing effects something like that you'd be able to find it really fast if you look that up well you'll be able to find it it even easier because it'll be in our description the magic of that i haven't even finished recording but i already can count on that (laughs) uh but in his video he talks about how you can literally just with a good cut create an effect like that Mm -hmm. like and he uses an example or a couple examples from his movies where you wouldn't even know that there's a cut there because there's so much movement happening on screen. But like one of the examples, someone like falls off of a a balcony and then hits the ground Mm -hmm. and there's a cut between the fall and the hitting of the ground. But they wanted like when he directed it, he directed it so you could see a continuous fall and then cut to a close up. Mm -hmm. But the editor was like, "Ah, I can tell it's a stunt person. I'm just going to cut early and you wouldn't even know there's a cut there. You wouldn't even know. He pointed it out, and I was like, "Oh my gosh, I wouldn't." Cool. Hidden cuts are like such a uh, such a great tool to utilize in filmmaking, and it's huge right now. I mean, with movies that are all like one shot, you know, right? Sure. Hidden cuts, like that's such a big thing. But hidden cuts and effects is just as cool. Like like the chicken turning into right. It literally probably just was a cut, you know, and yeah. and they just timed it out. With movement in the background, so your eyes aren't focused on what changes. They're focused on everything. and right. I don't know. No, the movie totally. does all that well. Um, the but actual CG is not Special great. effects yeah. is bad. It's, it's real bad. bad. Like the, it's the very like, first one we see, I think, is uh, the bus arriving, flying through the sky. And you're like, the sign comes down out of nowhere. It's like, Ooh. And then yep, she like steps the... off and floats down. Like she's a spooky Mary Poppins, basically. She has a bag with a bunch of stuff in it. She floats down on an yeah. umbrella. Um, but all of the floaty effects are very clearly like a guy on a computer just moving a cutout image of a person down. <laughs> right. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like she was standing in front of a green screen with an umbrella, and a guy just, just like there moved, and a guy just taking that image. It. And, and that's how the whole <laughs> flying on the broom scene, which is definitely too long. Oh my god. They f- so they just sat them on. They just sat them down on like a bench, and then just put add a fan in their face with the green screen. How many background. minutes of that do we need, though? You know, <laughs> oh there's like God. six yeah. shots <laughs> yeah. of them being like, "Whoa!" You could have done thirty seconds of that. Whoa. I mean, I guess it's That's a big it. moment for Marnie, but like, have it be a big moment when she gets if, back to the ground and she's thinking about it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, because like those effects aren't good enough for you to do that that yeah. long. 
Right. Also, um, the and the brooms themselves look pretty ridiculous and look like I just like that. Someone brought a broom from their house. Date well. <laughs> someone just brought a broom from their house and like pasted construction paper on it, like a little plastic cutout thing. Like, there's a lot of things in this movie that when you think about how Harry Potter did it, that's like the big thing. Like the yeah. Nimbus 2000. That's how I want a broom to look if it's going to be like right. how brooms look now. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? Because the idea of that is so silly. Like they right. ride on brooms. How are yeah. you going to make that cool? And they actually try to make it cool in this, which is even sillier. Yeah. Like it It, it looks like <laughs> it ha- It looks the bristles of the broom the, like, are like the brooms head. we used at the movie theater. Yeah, you know? totally. When we totally. worked at the movie theater. Yeah. It's like cheap brooms from like the back section of Walmart <laughs> painted pink or something. Yeah. And there's like buttons on it. Oh, he even yeah. says at one point, he's like, that one's got, uh, what is it? Navigation something. He says something about it having yeah, like nanotech right. navigation. And it's like, so wait, do they fly it or yeah, does the broom fly? What's happening? I, uh, what? <laughs> Or, it's just cool. It's just like compare. It's just a car, you know. That's yeah. why that's the, the thing. You know, you want to have your broom be as customizable as a car would be in our world. Sure. Um, and that's something I want to talk briefly about. Mm-hmm. Is it's really cool how this movie is like. Yeah, that's why you guys have Halloween, and that's why you guys know about vampires mm-hmm. and werewolves because of this. But when you look at it from the flipped perspective, it's also cool. Like, why in Halloween Town are they doing the things they're doing? If they've been separated from our mm. mortal world for that long, they wouldn't have saunas. They wouldn't have a, oh, a yeah. <laughs> lady doing yoga or whatever, cat yoga. Right. But they do because they're still visiting the mortal world. So they're still influenced by it. I just right. think that's cool. Like, there is this, like, idea that they are separate and kind of fuck the mortal world yeah but like halloween town is basically just the mortal world from the 80s mm. but with halloween right aesthetic yeah. you know it even isn't like up to date too which i thought was cool it feels kind of like the 80s or 90s but yeah, not true late 90s you know like i don't know like the way the outfits in the in the yoga scene for instance are all like 80s you know they've got like Leg warmers, right? And <laughs> yeah, like no, totally. leotards. That's true. The hairdresser is very eighties. Oh you know, yeah, like the eighties hairdresser, the guy. which is also a funny moment where like they just shave a patch off the back of his head, and then when he looks at himself in the mirror from the front, yeah. he's like, "Oh, oh, this could work." It's, fine. <laughs> it's like nothing changed from the front, so <laughs> yeah, you still yeah, have I guess. Patch in the back of your head, dude, and it's just a patch. Like, yeah, right. They didn't invent the hipster undercut or anything. Yeah. Um, a couple other CG things I noticed. There's the uh, Ooh, like the ghost, the ghost. Yeah, I was just gonna bring that, that up good. as one of them. The ghost looked pretty good. You know, just a transparent person, except for his hat wasn't, and the thing he's in wasn't. I kind of like the bit of him like sweating out all of his weight because he's just a ghost. Um, it did feel a little fucked up that they just like turned the heat up on him and then he he was left him. And they, like, basically, uh, Sophie, I mean, it's funny, but he's like, hey, that's pretty offensive, actually. Her, like, doing the ghost, like, ooh. And then she keeps doing uh, it. Kind of fucked up, it. though. Yeah, when he asks her yeah. to stop, she, like, keeps doing it. He gets kind of mad. They just take his sweat and leave. But the ghost looked pretty good. Um, 
most of those uh, practical effect costumes looked uh, pretty good. I mean, they didn't move very much, but you can tell they looked pretty good. Other CG things, um, I noticed big inconsistencies with at the end of the movie, just in lighting, like, and affected lighting. Like, Calabar shows up in the town square and these clouds roll in, these very, very CG clouds that don't look like they're, like, growing in. It looks like, you know, a, a foggy border around the image of a cloud is being uh, traced backwards. Um, yep. And then the rest of the scene, it's it's just sunny and the sky's blue in pretty much every shot. Uh, so, like, what happened there? It was not there like, for the shot. Right. And that's it. Not to be it. nitpicky, but it's just like... No, yeah. Those are the little things that can make a film like feel uh, organic. Like you feel like, oh, that right. actually happened. Clouds actually rolled in. Right. Magic is like that too a lot in this where... Yeah. Just like a little difference in how they... I don't know. I do not like the sparks on the fingers effects. I think it looks really bad. Yeah, I think so too. And I remember and being a kid and thinking it looked kind of cool. That, but they also do it in a couple moments when Calabar casts magic. Oh, he, yeah. Like, like, when he gives Sophie a Sunday, it looks like it's on fire with, like, those right. sparks. And yeah. then it turns into a cherry on top. Right, totally. Kind of cool, but, like, I hate the sparks. Yeah. I think it takes away from that entire I think so too. effect. Yeah. One thing that actually did look all right in the CG, if I'm remembering right, was the portal. The, like, inside the shutdown theater, the portal that Calabar like shows up from this sort of fog fading back into nothing that actually looked all that right. was probably probably a green screen that they just worked really hard on yeah that background effect you know or maybe there was an, a pre-rendered effect that they were able to get their hands on you know that's like oh right. wow this looks great um and speaking on calabar his mask looked the best yeah he oh, freaks me out still like when yeah. he moves no, and his scary. mouth moves with it but then you notice that, so like his mouth moved, so that's his skin, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. But he had on like a scarecrow thing, so like you could see like right that it was a mask. Yeah, I don't know why, but as a kid, that always freaked me out. Like, what would happen if he took that off? Would he just be like muscles under that? Right. And then I think it's like a bad idea for them to be like. Reveal your true selves. And then he just turns into Handsome Calabar. <laughs> right. right yeah. I thought that was his true self. Yeah. Handsome Calabar wasn't. Right. You know? And then and then his voice is less booming because they just decided to yeah. keep that voice once he turns back. Right. And I think it, it just it, makes for some silliness. It they make up for it in throughout the scene. Like he's sinister enough for me to be like, okay, this works, but I just wish they would have flipped that maybe. Yeah. I do think it, it's interesting. This leads me actually to the audio, which I have a couple things to say about. Um, first of which, I want to shout out the name of the uh, director of music in the movie. His name is... Oh, uh, yeah. We haven't even talked about the music. Mark uh, Mothersbach? Mothersbach. Uh, I think I'm pronouncing that right. Anyway, he's actually kind of a big name. He's the composer for a lot of movies. Uh, Thor, like recently, Thor Ragnarok, the Lego movie. He's done a couple uh, Wes Anderson movies, The Tenenbaums, Honestly, Rushmore. I am not surprised. He did the composing for music. Tiger as King. As soon as it kicked in, I was like, yeah, oh, shit. I remember this music. But it, he knows what, audi- what his audience is. Yep, yeah, no, totally. 
And even he sort of has a spooky version of it when they get to Halloween Town. It's like, you know, like. And I love the, like, it almost feels like video game music in the background. Like, right. Yeah. Um, and I think he's responsible for setting the mood a lot. And I think some things could have been a lot scarier without his input. Like the moment when Benny, the skeleton man, starts to be taken over by the darkness and he reaches out to grab Dylan, the brother. And I noticed in that moment, I remembered being really, really freaked out and scared by it as a kid. But it wasn't as scary and partially because there's sort of like an upbeat, spooky organ. There's like a... It's like... It doesn't feel like you're going to die. It feels like this is a little challenge to overcome. Like if there was like a... You know, in like a real horror movie. That would have been terrifying. That would have been a terrifying moment. But because of the sort of jovial, like spookiness to the, the music in that moment... And Absolutely. conversely, when Calabar comes in, there's not really any music at all. And the echo effect that whoever the audio editor was decided to go with is unsettling because it really his is. voice should not echo the way that it does in the movie. And I, that's one of the main things that I also like when it was happening. I was like, I remember having very, very negative feelings about this. Like genuinely, not... the laughter. Yes, specifically. Yes, <laughs> right. But it, it it projects in a way that is not okay. Yeah, and there's it's other things that are scarier, like a skeleton man, like shaping his bone structure into angry eyebrows and like grabbing you. That should be way scarier. But I remember more clearly having the watched voice. it now. Feeling like, oh, about that, and genuinely like, too. I think I might want to turn this off when Calabar came in. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yes. And his so face? I guess then it's probably yeah. really good that he changes into normal Calabar because right. that's about the the limit you can get with a kid. Right. But they still need to have a moment where they like face off. Yeah. But facing off against that, I've noticed this with kids because you know, like my niece and nephew are mm. getting older now, but mm. my nephew will talk about like. A movie being scary and i think about it and what's scary is that you know there's like a fight or like right. bad guys are fighting making this final face off in daylight with a regular looking guy and a family yeah it just makes it not scary but still like a great uh climax to a spooky movie right you know what i mean like they despooked, despookified it so that we can still, so that kids can enjoy that yes, face off. Totally. The way they face off with him is just coming together and like using their power together, which all they really need to do is like hold hands and stand strong together, which, you know, once you can handle more conflict and more direct conflict, you can use those notions in more direct conflict ways where we need to work together in order to physically combat this guy. But literally for this, I think it's very fitting that all they need to do is like come together with their magic and like use it against him. And this talisman thing, uh, Merlin's talisman, which is another thing that I think is pretty cool. Like, you know, it's just cool. It's just cool. Like it's actually Merlin's like, you know, the famous wizard from, you know, tales, uh, I mean, it very much just looks like a flashlight with a like plastic ball put on top of it. <laughs> but because Sophie goes, 
pretty. Right. You think it's no, it totally. feels more special. Yeah. A character in a movie pointing something out that you're like, that looks fake, going, wow, that looks cool, makes me go, oh, maybe it's not fake. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Instantly, I I'm like, yeah. or like that, it's it's the same as in any movie when there's gold. And like anyone who knows what gold looks like would be like, well, I mean, that's not real gold. But as soon <laughs> right. as a movie character is like, gold, you're like, oh my <laughs> yeah. God, that oh, looks so gold. cool. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, I just love this final moment of Calabar where he's holding this just as an adult. Like, I think, again, I think this movie functions very, very well for little kids. As an yes. adult watching this actor holding, uh, Merlin's probably talisman, plastic. probably <laughs> like just a plastic flashlight, flashlight. <laughs> like, up above his head and just going, no, no! was really funny because also it's such a close-up shot good yeah but for some of those moments just borderline right it's like it's like willem dafoe in spider-man it works because it's willem dafoe yeah totally but this is a guy no offense you know like having just a guy be the cheesed up bad guy in the end is why that's kind of fun. I, although anyone would be funny in that situation because it is just like ah, the flashlight yeah. is too much and then they gotta they gotta make a jack-o'-lantern to finish it all off i don't know i like it and that's one of the most memorable things of this whole movie is this giant pumpkin in the middle of town mm-hmm. i don't know yeah and and it's the main thing that you see as sort of the centerpiece in halloween town when it's very first introduced in the book that uh the grandma gives to them in the beginning you know, it's it's an icon of, and it's also the very first image we see. Which I appreciate because, you know, Disney Channel, I don't know if, I've been kind of re-watching some of the Disney Channel originals mm-hmm. since Disney Plus has been out. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them do that where they have an opening shot be the title. Right. And then they cut to the movie. Mm-hmm. And this one is just so effective. Yeah. Like having totally. that opening shot, zooming in on a pumpkin but feeling not scary, feeling like, ooh, what's going to happen, mm-hmm. you know? Yep. I also loved Marnie calling Calabar Chocolate Bar <laughs> because his name is silly, but also the perfect bad guy name, like Calabar. And also, she, but then, he like, always gets her name wrong, too. He got Sophie. He called her Soapy, right? Right, yeah. Or so, yeah, I guess it's Sophie, but yeah. So it's great, you know? Calabar Chocolate Bar. Yeah. There's a couple writing things in this movie that I feel like the adults writing this movie were like, you know, we'll keep this. Right. Especially, like, the relationship between the mom and Calabar. Like, mm-hmm. it's churned into a, you could have been my queen. <laughs> but in right. that moment where he's like, oh, my God, I haven't seen you. Like, we oh, should. Yeah. You kind of realize that there's a backstory to this woman. And, like, we don't get a whole idea of what happened with their dad. But we know he passed away and that he was mortal. So that's, like, part of it. And, like. Yeah. That might influence why she doesn't want them to be in this magical world where things like that maybe aren't as emotionally effective. Like her, if I could see this might be getting way too deep, but I could see her as a mom being like, if you guys are in a world where a skeleton is a taxi driver, your dad is he passed away. Like, what are you going to be thinking of that? Like, are you going to be asking the wrong questions that I don't want to answer? Mm. Which is, you know, probably diving way too deep. But there are little things in the movie that they sprinkle in there to make you realize why she is the way she is. And, like, her relationship between her and Calabar feels more adult than 
a kid's movie would allow for. I don't know. Yeah. Just things like that I really appreciate. Or totally. the way... I don't know. There's something about the way they invite her to live with... They invite Aggie to come live with them in the end. Mm. And it's, it feels like something as a kid I didn't get at all as like... Yeah. Okay. But as an adult, I'm just like... This is like fun setup. You yeah. know what I mean? To me, that felt like a... We're now... Even if they never make more, now the next the next few years are going to be like the show Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Right. Because grandma lives with them now. I guess So that. now... It's fun You know setup, what I mean? But also I, like, I like If that. she's lived here for like 200 years and she has a place and she's like a name and in her the place community. Is nice. and she's like, It's like a mansion. Yeah, like, why is she going back to the Why does she want world? to? Yeah, why? Yeah. And she doesn't go and get any of her stuff or anything. They just all hop on the bus and leave. <laughs> and she, in the beginning, wasn't like, well, I wish I could be living with you guys. Like, that's not right. a moment that is a callback in any way. It's just, yeah. you should live with us now because, eh, fuck you. You're gonna... <laughs> you're gonna <laughs> yeah um, and then luke being the bus driver in the end just as i like it but it's also like i've got a job for you and then his job is just to be a bus driver right. like, fuck <laughs> you man bus driver now <laughs> you're gonna drive us home yeah. that's it you still won't get to see marnie and yeah go on a date with her you just get to drive us home right um as a final moment it being the entirety of Halloween Town waving up at you, the camera. Right. I love that. There is something so yeah. cheesy and just oh, like absolutely. you just watched a musical and we're all doing a curtain call bow at the end or something. Yeah, you know, totally. every, bye. Like that image <laughs> stuck really with me throughout my life. And watching them all wave by at the end this time was just I laughed. Like I didn't <laughs> laugh because it was funny. I laughed yeah. because I was like, huh, uh, they cool. did that. Yeah. They actually just I mean also it struck me a little bit odd because it was like they didn't talk to everybody in town. Exactly. But I guess they did no, save the town. So I don't know. Yeah. But the town doesn't realize. Sweet. I don't even. It just. Yeah. It's it's very much just this is for eight year olds. Yeah. And as an eight year old, you're waving goodbye at your TV too, you know. Right. Totally. Oh, man. Yeah. A good ending to what is, I think, a a pretty good, like on on the better side, little kid Halloween movie. You know, like as Halloween far as TV movie, all of yes, all of these specifications. Like as far as a a Halloween TV movie for little kids, it's a good movie. I mean, if we're talking about film, like in general, this movie it was more of a product. It's it's not it's not good. <laughs> it's not fantastic. Yeah. It's not like a fantastic film. But as far as like introducing little kids to the concepts of movies and like something to have them watch during Halloween for like a holiday season thing, it's a good movie. I I enjoyed it's it. Decently paced. Yeah. Not a lot needed to be cut. Right. Like if there's anything that needs to be cut, it's that broom scene could have been cut in half <laughs> yes, maybe. Yes, absolutely. The acting is well enough is done well enough like you watch a TV movie on like the Hallmark Channel, and ninety mm-hmm. percent of the acting is just so bad right. that you can't even actually take anything seriously. Yeah, this is like they tried. Yeah, you know, yeah. I don't know. There's some good performances in here. It's shot in a pretty standard way. I didn't get to touch on cinematographer Michael Slovis, but I will now just very briefly. He did a bunch of like TV stuff and then started working up in the TV world. He did a bunch of 30 Rock episodes. He made his big break in CSI. 
He did a bunch of Breaking Bad episodes. Like, he became a pretty established movie cinematographer. But this is pretty yeah, clearly... Yeah, saying that, I would say that Breaking Bad has more movie cinematography right, than right. CSI, which has more movie cinematography than right. this, yeah, even. Yeah, which yeah. is a movie. It's but a, that's interesting right. that you say that. But it was clearly, like, he started in TV. This was a step along his way to a successful career. And it's clear, you know, it was, it was shot pretty standardly. It's shot to be able to be palatable for a little kid to understand understand everything's going on i don't know if you noticed this i do want to touch on this real briefly i watched this on disney plus they must have cropped it right because yours wasn't square right and i saw some shots where the top or bottom of people's heads seemed cut off a little weird and i was like oh that's some bad like framing and then i realized they probably just changed the ratio formatting for i think disney you're plus. right man i think you're right i wish they would give us that option you know, because when we watch Avatar option. on Netflix, it's square. It's fucking square. It's, and it should be. That's how they made it yep. to look like. Yep. Even my Blu-ray is still square. Yeah. Like they didn't change it to be whatever. I agree. And I think that the overall look of it is like shit. And yeah. I think that has something to do with it. Yeah. Like I didn't want to say that because I didn't want to be complaining about the movie. But yeah. I just turned on another Disney Channel original movie and I couldn't help but feel like. Why does this look like shit? Like, was this... <laughs> yeah. What was this filmed on that? Because movies aren't just filmed on shit for a few years. Right. Like, I really think that it has a lot to do with Disney not having a good grip on um, maintenance. Like, maintaining yeah. the quality of their old films. Right. And then being like, okay, in their head. Because, like, I don't know if you heard about that with The Simpsons. But mm. they actually did that with The Simpsons and got a lot of flack and re... Oh, yeah. I did They had to, like, actually. come out with The Simpsons again. Mm -hmm. So now it's in the right ratio, but it wasn't. And they haven't done that with maybe anything because, else. Yeah, maybe that's, like, a thing across the board. Maybe a ton of stuff was changed and only The Simpsons was the one that people complained enough that's about. so disappointing. It really... It's sometimes it's cool, like, in Lilo and Stitch, them making... She hides in a dryer in, like, the first scene. They changed it to hiding under a cupboard and putting a pizza box up in front of her. Oh, because, like, huh. obviously you don't want kids to be hiding in dryers. Yeah, interesting. That kind of thing, I appreciate sure. that. That's cool. You're but not you taking the, away from an artist's perspective. If you have the resources to go into each movie and look at specific details like that and be like, kids probably shouldn't be seeing that. Let's reanimate that in a different way. You have the resources to fucking give us the option to change the ratio on movies that came out in the 90s on tv with a square ratio let us there let us literally watch it could have been to, moments in the end of this movie way better yes yeah. exactly there could have been moments when you know in that end with like the clouds rolling in right where maybe there were clouds in those blue sky shots but they were cut out because sure. we couldn't see yeah it. you know there was, we don't know there were many shots where like someone's entire forehead was cut out in a close-up and i was like this looks bad Anyway, that's not how. You, yeah, um, I think we've we've gone in depth enough on this movie, and I think it's, it's funny how uh, when we talk about movies, we don't talk about n like anything I wrote down. But then I look through everything I wrote down, and I'm like, yeah, I have nothing else to say. Yeah, we, Do you know what I mean yeah, by that? No, totally. We covered it all. Yeah, yeah. But one thing we, we haven't it. covered yet: good moment of the week. Good moment of the week. Uh, I have one. This whole movie is one oh, big absolutely. kid moment of the week. It's just one big kid moment. But I have one specifically I've got that. Uh, that uh, how about you give me one, I'll give you mine, and then well, you give me your second one. Okay. I'll give you the one that I haven't already referenced. Mm -hmm. And then my second one I've referenced already. Okay. But the just 
there being a dog in Halloween Town to chase Benny. Oh, yeah. <laughs> For some reason, <laughs> it is a kid moment being yeah. like, go ke- go fetch the bone. And right. then him being scared of that. Mm. But also, it's funny because why was there a dog just <laughs> leashed up on that fence? In a world where there are people who are dog people. Yeah. It's like that question like, wait, if Goofy's a dog, right. <laughs> then what is Pluto? Right. Yeah, you know, totally. it's like that. It's it's So that that's mine. And then my, oh, and then you give me yours. All right. Uh, I don't know if this is the same one. We'll see. Uh, it's Sophie in the kitchen in the beginning going, I want a cookie. And the mom saying, well, you can't have one. And she just turns and to herself but just goes, but I wanted it. I really wanted it. <laughs> and then the cookie starts floating towards her. And she just like mumbles to herself like three different times. Like, I really wanted that cookie. <laughs> like if it wasn't that. a moment of magic. Right. That <laughs> just would be so weird. But also like, I would, I sort of, you know, I get it. <laughs> it's a kid moment. I want it's, a you know, Yeah, no, yeah, I would right. it, at that age too. Yeah. yeah. What's your th- what's, what's your second? My already referenced one. I still think it's just funny. Is her calling him chocolate bar? Oh yeah, <laughs> hey, yeah. Hey, chocolate true. bar. <laughs> or another funny moment that's less of a kid moment, uh, and it was more of a wait. What the fuck are they talking about? <laughs> yeah. When Luke shows up at the card or at the broom dealership yeah. and makes some comment about a big cheese, right? And yeah. then she's I'm like, something stinks. It's probably that big cheese. Yeah. yeah. I was just like. What? <laughs> right. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> that's that's what my reaction to that one was. But oh uh, man, that's a good list. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if one of them stands out from the others. I like the dog bone, but I feel like that's funnier as an adult thinking about it. Like, yeah, because you're dog like, bear? what the fuck? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. I think the I think I want the cookie. Yeah, might have to take the cookie on this one. Yeah. I really wanted the cookie. <laughs> I don't know. I think... And even like the mom's reaction, I'm like, oh shit, right. grabbing the cookie. I don't know. There's something funny about it. Yeah. Totally. And that wasn't a poorly done effect. It was yeah, done pretty that, well. w- that one was done. If I remember. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you all for listening to our special Halloween episode on Halloween Ooh. Town. Um, I feel bad doing that because it might be offensive to go. Oh, yeah. We should be a little more sensitive. Um, you can <laughs> look forward to five more episodes of Avatar. We'll be finishing out season two. And then I'm not sure we're prepared to announce the next movie that we're talking about. We're, we, we've, we have some discussions, some ideas floating around, but, uh, we'll announce that as it gets closer. Please check us out on any social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, at New Lens Pod. And uh, give us some likes on there. Tell your friends about the show if you like it. Check out those donation links in the description. Uh, big thanks to Sophina Sago for our cover art. Uh, looks fantastic. Super satisfied with it. Hell yeah. Looks um, great. If you like what you've heard today, you can also check out our actual play Dungeons & Dragons podcast, Legendary 4 Adventures. Space Vampires. Uh, thank you, Gary. That's going to be on legendary4.com, where you can leave comments on any of these episodes or any of those episodes on the individual episode links. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you. Any uh, any commentary you, you have? Hopefully not just like, this sucks, but you know... <laughs> <laughs> 
Hey, Honestly, but still. If you wanna if, if if you have listened to episodes enough and gotten all the way to the end of this episode and hated it enough to like leave a comment somewhere, go to legendary4.com and you can do it there. And uh I I'd be happy to have some comments. <laughs> Our first comment Our first... is just a guy who's like, I listen to every episode. <laughs> this sucks. <laughs> uh looking forward to that. I hope that happens. Uh, well, thank you all for listening. I'm Calvin. And I'm Gary. This has been a